Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. Let's open our Bibles real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh and not many mighty and not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. So grateful for that. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh would glory in his presence. You know, as you go with us today, as we wrap this up, you know, we have been touching throughout this series on some of the apostles and today's no different. We're going to look at Andrew and Peter who are both brothers. But if you look at the apostles, what is so fascinating about them is how ordinary they are. I mean, they act 17 says that they turned their known world upside down. So 11, 12 guys turned their world upside down. Now I would think that these men have got to be superhuman. Like these men have got to be, uh, you know, the right pedigree in the natural. They've got to have all kinds of gifts and talents. But when you really read at least how the scripture introduces the apostles to us, they're very, very ordinary, not just ordinary, but when you read about them, you're hearing about their failures, their faults, their weaknesses, their mistakes. You get to read about their poor motives, their the wrong motives. Uh, you get to he- watch their behaviors be the opposite of what Jesus was trying to show them. And so the scripture doesn't just introduce them to us as guys at one point had messed up, but the Bible introduces them to us as a group of people that m- were messed up before they met Jesus. They kept messing up after they knew Jesus. And they kept messing up after that, too. Anybody glad about that? That I think sometimes we, we think that when you get saved, that there's this work that's done in you that all of a sudden you like are put in a microwave, like a spiritual microwave, and then you come out done, like complete. But God saves your spirit, but your mind, your, your habits, your, your, your tendencies, your propensities, all that stuff is kind of the same. And it takes time for God to work that out of you. And so the Bible says in John 15, referring to the apostles, that they didn't choose him, but he chose them. And he chose them knowing their failures, knowing their faults, not just in their past, But he had foresight. We know this with Peter when he was about to fail, that Jesus will read that scripture in a minute, that he knew what their future failures would be, but yet he chose them anyway. Now, I would think if God's going to choose somebody to do something great, I have in my mind what God should use. 
the type of person God should use. First of all, they should come from great pedigree. They should have an amazing family. They should have a mom that put them to bed every night, prayed over them, right? They should have an awesome dad, an awesome support, support system. They, they, in the natural, would have you know, all the, the natural gifts and talents. They probably would have been prom queen and king, valedictorian. They, they would have had everything in the natural that you would need to have. Then that's the person I would say, man, God, that's somebody that I think you should think about. Like that, they've got all the gifts, all the talents, all the skill sets. They've, the, their, their reputation is out of this world. Use them. But the Bible says that's not who God chooses. Bible actually says the opposite, that he chooses the foolish things. He doesn't go after the mighty. He doesn't go after the great. He doesn't go after the mobile. He goes at noble. He goes after the opposite of that. And I love this because when Jesus was praying for his apostles, he prayed that they would be able to overcome that reality. And the reality is real simple. That is you and I look at our life. We know our shortcomings. We know the things about us, the weaknesses, the things about us where we fall short. We know that. But yet God calls us to do something great in spite of that. And that's the turmoil that Jesus prayed that his apostles would be able to overcome because on the inside of his apostles is a sense, was the same turmoil that you and I have. And that is knowing what I know about me, knowing my shortcomings, how could I ever buy that God wants to do something great with me? But the Bible says that is exactly the person that God chooses. Why? Because that way, no flesh would glory in his presence. I can be very open and honest with you today. This is not a preacher facade or anything like that. I know better than to think I have anything to do with the great things God has used me to do because I know who I am on the inside. And somehow, God gets the glory because in spite of those shortcomings, he still finds a way to do something great. And that's really the story of the apostles, how God took 12 ordinary people, normal people, not superhuman, just normal, everyday Galileans, uneducated, but he took them, he chose them, and he changed the world with them. And so let's continue to watch this series as it unfolds. We're going to do a real quick recap and then we'll get right into it. Hope you enjoy it. There is a message in every single miracle. And the message is not about the miracle. The message is about the one who performs the miracles. The point isn't so we could read about what God has done past tense. We read about these miracles because God is showing us what he wants to do present tense. You and I have to push past all the things in us that would say, well, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? You got to remove all of that and say, okay, God, most importantly, in my mind, I want to get to the place that I know you can do a miracle. And I want in no way to ever be held back in my mind from moving with compassion towards people that are hurting.
Jerusalem. We're saved. We're saved. I saw him with my own eyes. Who? It was incredible. Andrew, who did you see? The Lamb of God. He who takes away the sin of the world. Simon, we're standing by the Jordan, and John the Baptist pointed at the man. Who's walking? Simon, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, you're just not saying anything. I saw the Messiah today. The men, all of us, including you, have been playing for our whole lives. Don't you even care? Was he a big man? Big? No. Rich? No. You didn't see him he could bail us out of this debt to Rome? Maybe, maybe he was a doctor. No. Oh. So he can't help with Eden Zima, who's now living with us, Andrew. That's just... So pardon me if I'm not exactly jumping out of my sandals because Creepy John pointed at someone. You're scared. I've lost everything. Burned every bridge. It doesn't matter. The Romans don't matter if the Messiah has arrived. Anything is possible now. Don't you see? That'd be nice. Where are you going? Go ahead, Eden. The brothers are trying to cook. I can smell it. Hey Lord, you know 
arms high Hey Lord, you know I'm tired of tears Hey Lord, just cut me Hey Lord, you know I'm fine I'm sure this world is done with me Oh Lord, you know it's true Now the tide is rolling descendants as many as the stars in the heavens and then what huh make the chosen as many as the stars only to let Egypt enslave us for generations bring us out of Egypt Part the Red Sea, only to let us wander in the desert for 40 years. Give us the land, only to let us be exiled in Babylon. Bring us back, only to be crushed by Rome. This is the God I've served so faithfully my entire life. You're the God I'm supposed to thank. 
You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you enjoy yanking us around like goats and can't decide whether we're chosen or not. Which one is it? Ah! Diamond! Andrew? Who are you talking to? Apparently no one. You shouldn't joke like that, my friend. Yeah, your friends might think you've lost faith. James and John, I presume. And who brought the old man? I heard you need a real fisherman. Well, uh, there are only so many hours in the night, huh? Let's fish. I was to tell you about. I was walking with John, they called that Tyson. Andrew, what's he on about? And he pointed at him. No more. And he said, Behold the lamb. Andrew, I said. Just. Please. No, no, no. The word from you about this lamb of yours. We don't need a lamb, we need fish. As we look at Andrew and the Apostle Simon Peter, I want to first focus on Andrew. He's my favorite of all the apostles. I'm not just saying that for this sermon. Um, I really have great admiration for Andrew. He was the very first of all the apostles to receive a personal invitation to follow Jesus Christ. So he was the very first one that was chosen. Prior to Jesus inviting him to follow him, he was a disciple of John the Baptist, which I like the fact that not only was he a disciple of John the Baptist, his name means manly. So the very first apostle that Jesus would choose, his name means manly. And I like that because I think it reminds us in building a church, you really do have to celebrate, um, of course, all gender. It's, you know, we, we love both men and women, but in church, sometimes men have a tendency to take a back seat. Statistically speaking, churches are primarily uh, female. You've probably got it's about 60-40. In some cases, it's 70-30. But for the most part, men take a backseat when it comes to spiritual things. We can see this through two basic things. One, Mother's Day is one of the most attended weekends of the year for church. Father's Day is one of the least attended we know that if the father attends the church, if it, the father attends church, the child is exponentially more likely to end up attending church and becoming a Christian than if the father just set, stays home and sends the mom with the kids. The point is simply this. It really is a message of Jesus and building the church and who he chooses. 
He wants men to know. It's okay to be manly. It's okay to be masculine. It's okay if you don't want to, you know, uh, if sometimes the singing songs and, and all that sometimes can feel a little not manly, it's okay. God still will use the masculine part of who we are. I'm a guy, and I can just tell you, I love the fact that when you look at Andrew, he wasn't just have a name that means manly. If you look at the fact that he was a disciple of John the Baptist who ate locust and honey or camel hair, if you wanted to be a disciple of John the Baptist, you had to know how to live in the wilderness, which means you had to know if that was a venomous snake. You had to know how to get water out of a cactus. You had to know how to survive in the sun, how to survive in the cold nights. You had to be a man to be able to be a disciple of John the Baptist. And of all the people Jesus could have chose, he chose Andrew. Andrew, we would quickly see why Jesus chose him because he went and grabbed his brother, Simon Peter. And so the reason Simon Peter is in the church is because of Andrew. Had it not been for Andrew inviting and reaching out to his brother, we wouldn't have Simon Peter, which is really the, the leader of the New Testament church outside of Jesus. So what am I saying? If you look at Andrew, he is always doing what we see him do with Peter. He's behind the scenes, connecting with people. He's always one-on-one. -on -one. The nine instances that we have that we can read about Andrew, he's always talking with someone, relating to someone one-on-one, -on -one, and then using that connection to introduce those people to Jesus. He never looks for the spotlight. He never looks to be out front. He's your behind-the-scenes apostle. He's your servant. He, he doesn't care if he gets any accolades, any attention, any pats on the back. He's not doing it for those reasons. He's just grateful that Jesus chose him and whatever he can do to add value to people and add value to the kingdom of God, Andrew is game. He does not need to be the, the main person. For example, you never see uh, Andrew in the book of Acts. We know he's there in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell on the 120. We know that he's present in that moment, but we never read him after, about him after Acts chapter two. He's not in the book of Acts. He never pastors a church. He never writes an epistle. Uh, after the Holy Spirit was poured out, you don't see Andrew gravitating towards Jerusalem or Ephesus um, or Rome or one of the other major metropolitan cities that it seemed like all the other apostles were drawn to. You see Andrew going west. He's going to more rural, unseen, unreached areas like Scotland and Russia. That's where Andrew went and he was a missionary and preached the gospels in those unseen parts of the world. I like this because most of us aren't going to be a Simon Peter, and we'll learn more about him in just a minute. Most of us aren't going to be in front of crowds. Most of us are not going to be in the spotlight. Most of us are going to, in some way or another, in ways that no one will ever see, maybe no one will ever even know, one-on-one -on -one will be making a difference in people's lives, in our homes, with our children, in our families, at our workplaces, at school, in our, in our, with, in our friendships. Most of us, that's where we're going to be making the, the biggest difference. And what we see with God choosing Andrew is that that apostle is not the least of the apostles. He was the very first one Jesus would choose. Andrew is on this missions trip. He's in Athens, right outside of Athens in Southern Greece. 
and they arrest him. And when they arrest him, uh, the Bible says that they immediately tell him to recant his love for Christ. He had just won a, the wife of a Roman military general to, to Christ. And as a result, that military general asked his wife to recant Christ. She refused. So he came to Andrew. Andrew refused. So that Roman general took an X-shaped cross, didn't nail Andrew to it, but tied him to that X-shaped cross to prolong his suffering. And for several days, Andrew hung out on that cross and he's known, all church history accounts are the same with this, that every single passerby, Andrew was preaching the gospel to him and encouraging them to put their trust and their faith and giving their, giving their lives to Jesus Christ. Andrew is an unseen apostle. He does the small things. He does the things that other people don't think are that critical or that important. But had it not been for Andrew, the New Testament church would have been struggling and would have been incredibly, incredibly weak. I want us to continue to watch as this this unfolds, because next we're going to look at the apostle Simon Peter. Let's check it out. Excuse me. That's him, Simon. That's him. No time for this, Andrew. It's him, Simon. It's the man. John said he's here. Right now. May I ask a favor? I'm teaching these people, and apparently they're having trouble hearing me. If I could stand on your boat, that would be helpful. They're having trouble hearing you, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Please, please, stand on our boat. Thank you. I need to go. I'm sorry. No time for this today. Stay a few moments longer. I have something for you. For me? Uh, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. Just allow me a few moments. Please. I'm Jesus. Thanks for this. Simon. Because I'm on this boat, my final parable should be about fishing, yes? Simon, please send me that net. When this net is thrown into the sea, what happens, Simon? It gathers fish. Yes. This net gathers fish, all kinds of fish, yes? Yes. All kinds of fish. And the kingdom of heaven is like what happens next. After the net is full, Simon and the others draw it to the shore, sit down, and sort out the fish. The good fish go into the barrels, and the bad fish thrown away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. Do you understand? That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend.
put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. Brother and a baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. as well. Yes, you, James and John. Come, follow me. Go, now. So, you sure you don't want to do this just a few more times? Well, we'll make a great team on the boat. Son, joking. <laughs> Fish are nothing. 
You have much bigger things ahead of you, Simon, son of Jonah. Did you understand that parable I told earlier? From now on, I will make you fishers of men. And you are to gather as many as possible, all kinds. I will sort them out later. I've been marked by your presence This one thing I won't forget Oh, how mercy met dirty The day my life was spent And I've been held by those nailed hands Through the lowest of nights And I'm no longer a dead man now I walk in the light So testify If God still provides Tell the truth If He's been good to you Raise a shout If He brought you out Everything with breath Sing praises Come on, give God praise today, church. There was never a moment when you left me alone. There's no place I'm going where I'll be left on. God still provides Church, tell the truth If he's been good to you Come on Raise a shout If he brought you out 
You know, I can't, I can't prove it. I can't prove it, but I'm guessing that if the apostle Simon Peter was preaching this service, he'd be hard pressed to not be thankful for Andrew's invite. You know, I, I, it's really hard for me to think about what my life would have been like if somebody wouldn't have cared enough to invite me to church. I know it sounds basic. Someone would say, uh, oh, well, that's, you're just trying to grow a church. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Why would I not? You know, why would we not? want to take the freedom and the life that we've been given and give it to other people. That's what it's all about. Well, why don't you take just a second and be seated. I'll, I'll wrap up talking about Peter. I promise I'll go really, really fast. We'll be out of here for sure in 10 minutes. You believe that? Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whoever paid you, thank them too. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as we. I want you to notice the phrasing there, Simon, Simon. Whenever you read about who we would know as the apostle Simon Peter, the reason that sometimes you hear about him being Simon, other times it's Peter, sometimes it's Simon, Simon, sometimes it's Simon Peter. Simon would be his birth name. That's the name that his parents gave him. Peter, Petros, would be the name that Jesus gave him, which means the rock or a stone. And so when you watch Jesus dealing with this apostle, if he's in a moment of weakness, if he's failing, if he's in doubt, if he's lacking faith, if he's opening his big mouth, which the apostle Simon Peter did all the time, he's constantly got his foot in his mouth. Jesus would refer to him in those moments as Simon. Simon would, would be how Jesus would talk to him if he knew that he was living beneath where he, where he was called. If, he's, if he was being overtaken by his weakness, Jesus would say, Simon, Simon. If he was in a place of strength, for example, Jesus comes walking on the water in the middle of the storm. Everybody's scared. Everybody's fearful. Peter sees that it's Jesus, and he asks to get out on the water and walk. And in that moment, Jesus refers to him as Peter because he's at that moment in a place of strength. And then sometimes he would call him Simon Peter because he was kind of both, right? He was like up and down. The, the, he was sort of wishy-washy. He was like the roller coaster Christian. Anybody sometimes ever feel that way? Like, you, like you're kind of both? You're trying to be strong. You're trying to do what's right for God, but you sometimes still feel a little weak on the inside. And that's when he would refer to him as Simon Simon Peter. So, of course, this is the guy that Jesus, when he would ascend to the right hand of the Father, he would call to lead the New Testament church. This is the guy that would stand up on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people would get saved. Whenever you see the apostles listed, you see Simon Peter as number one. And that was intentional because he was the chosen leader of the early church. He was who God chose to lead the early church. He was incredibly curious. Uh, that's one of the, the things, the qualities of Simon Peter that stood out the most was he asked more questions. This single apostle asked more questions than all the other 11 combined. 
He would ask questions about things like forgiveness. He would think, ah, Jesus is you're kind of over the top with this forgiveness thing. You know, I, I need to understand. And he would really need to understand why Jesus forgave like he did. So he'd say, I, I understand once or twice or three times. I even understand maybe seven times. But could you give me a mathematical equation so I could understand your level of forgiveness? He would ask about how do you be great in the kingdom of God? What's greatness look like in the kingdom? Because he was incredibly curious. Peter was also a man of incredible initiative. You never had to ask Peter to do something. He, he, matter of fact, he's doing it before you even asked him. He's just always all in, always going the extra mile. He's not a minimalist. He's not someone that you have to try to pressure him to do something. He's always ready to go and do anything that he can to advance the kingdom. When you watch Peter towards the end of his life, he is married. He's on a missionary journey. Him and his wife are arrested for preaching the gospel. They're given the opportunity to recant Christ. And in that moment, in order to try to turn Peter, they take his wife and they put her on a cross first. Not just is she visible to the apostle, but she is within uh, conversation distance. And so Simon Peter is watching his wife be crucified. He's watching her die because of the gospel that he preaches. He's looking at the woman that he loves and all he has to do is say the word and his wife will survive and live. And he's found saying this phrase over and over to his wife, remember the Lord, remember what he did for us. Remember the price he paid for us over and over. He's inspiring his wife as she bleeds and dies on that cross to not give up and not quit. Then they take him and they hang him on a cross but he refuses to die the way that his savior died. And so he asked to be crucified upside down saying he's not worthy to die like his savior died. An absolute incredible moment in this apostle's life. But I want to go back to how we started. These are not superhuman people. These are just normal everyday people. The Bible actually says it like this when it referring to the apostles that God's strength was made perfect in their weakness. That when you see the greatness that they accomplished, it wasn't because of their strengths. It was because his strength was made perfect in the areas that they were weak. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.